Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hello, friend, and welcome to Songwriter Theory. I am your host, Joseph Vidala, and today we are talking about seven different springs to get out of your creative box. So it's almost easy to fall into the trap as songwriters to sort of start writing songs that sort of all sound the same. And that's definitely something that we want to avoid. Sometimes that can even result in us not being able to write anything because we're so stuck in that creative box and we feel like we've almost run out of creativity because we've been writing in that same small box over and over and over again with our songs sounding more and more and more similar. And that is something that we want to avoid. So here are seven different springs or seven tips to get out of your creative box, whether you're going through that now or you think you might in the future, which you will, believe me. Um... These are seven tips that have helped me and I hope will also help you to get out of your creative box, which is something that all of us as songwriters, it will happen at least once. Probably a lot more than once, though. First thing, change your instrument. So if you play more than one instrument, which a lot of us do, this is a great opportunity. I know you have a default instrument. I do. My default is the piano. It's the first instrument I ever learned. It is the instrument I'm most proficient at, and I also feel that is the most powerful songwriting tool on the planet. It is so great for songwriting, but it's easy to write more and more similar stuff with the piano because I, if that's the only instrument that I'm using, I might gravitate towards sort of improvising the same sort of things, which results in in writing very similar things. And I'm not saying that every time I write on the piano, it's going to have the same result, obviously, but it can be helpful to get a little bit more outside the box if I switch to guitar, which is my secondary instrument. Just the nature of how different instruments are played differently is going to help there, right? Like the inherent way that you play a guitar is very different than the way you play a piano. A piano is, has keys, right? There's no concept of strumming. You are hitting keys with your left and right hand, whereas with the guitar, you're determining what notes are actually played with your left hand, and then you're strumming or picking with your right hand to determine which ones, like you're selecting notes with your left and you're playing them with your right in a sense, right? And then even if you have another instrument that you used to play, say, in band back in middle school, and you still have your old dusty flute laying around, or maybe you have a violin or viola or something that you used to play more, or even maybe that was your primary instrument before you became a songwriter and then you decided to adopt a more songwriting-friendly instrument like a guitar or a piano, that's a great instrument to go and grab to sort of supplement your songwriting, right? The, the melody that you come up with with a flute or a violin or an oboe is probably going to be very different than the melody that you come up with improvising with your voice or a melody you come up with on a keyboard or piano or a guitar. And even if you only do play one instrument, chances are there's another instrument close enough that you can sort of utilize for songwriting. So for example, if you're really only a guitarist, you also could grab a bass, right? Because a bass is just the bottom four strings of a guitar down an octave. So if you can play guitar, to some extent, you can play a bass. Now, I'm not disrespecting bass players out there. The, the way a really good bass guitarist plays is, of course, not something that just any guitarist can pick up and do. But for the purpose of songwriting, playing guitar 
at all well is good enough to at least pick up a bass and be able to do some songwriting with it. Similarly, if you play just guitar, you can probably pluck out some notes on the keyboard or piano, which is, again, enough for this form of songwriting, right? Like, your goal is not to write a whole arrangement now, right? Your goal is just to have another instrument to utilize just to inspire yourself a little differently. So even if you're just single index fingering a a melody on a piano, that can be good enough just to sort of get out of your box. So whatever your situation, even if you don't really play a second instrument, you certainly can still utilize this tip. Tip number two is to change the instrument style. So let's go back to guitar. If you're a guitarist, you might keep sort of going back to, you know, you play some open chords and you strum. But the reality is that you can change your songwriting style or, you know, just the results of your songwriting just by changing the way you play. So if you say, okay, let's do finger picking instead of strumming, or if you do pick picking instead of strumming, or if you just switch from finger picking to picking with a pick, or if maybe everything you do is finger picking, I doubt that, but if it is, try strumming, right? And from there, you also can sort of force yourself to do different keys. So instead of doing keys like G, where you're playing all chords at the bottom of the neck, try doing chords more up the neck. Maybe try the key of E, where you can still do really, really easy chords that are open and and have a really huge sound um, in the key of E, or you can, you know, do power chords if you don't usually do power chords or bar chords if you haven't made good use of bar chords. So there's so many different options, no matter what instrument you're playing, to just change the way you do it a little bit in order to write something a little outside of the box of what you would normally write. So for the piano or keyboard, for example, maybe you do a lot of arpeggios in your left hand and melodies in your right hand. Change it up. Do single notes in your left hand or do full chords with your left hand instead of using arpeggios. Maybe don't do the melody in your right hand. Maybe change it up. Have almost like a bass line in your left hand and chords in your right hand. Different things like that can really help get you outside of that creative box, even if you're just using the same instrument you usually use. Number three is to change genre. Now, when I say that, don't freak out. I am not asking you to go as a country artist to write a rap song, right? Pick a genre that is adjacent to what you already do. So a good example of this is let's say you are Southern rock is normally what you do. There's two genres very adjacent to that, right? You have rock that's not Southern and then country because basically Southern rock is if country and rock had a baby, right? So it's not that big of a leap to just go a little more full country or go a little more full rock. That sort of thing can really get you out of your shell of writing the same thing over and over and over again. Other examples can be, say say, say you're doing a lot of harder rock stuff and you just do pure distorted guitars. Why don't you try mixing some synths in there, right? You're not really fully changing genre. You're sort of just changing subgenre, really. You're, you're, you're tweaking your sound a little bit intentionally in order to inspire yourself a little differently. Or on the opposite end, maybe you usually use a bunch of MIDI synths. Force yourself to use a couple real instruments, right? Maybe force yourself to put an acoustic guitar in there. Change up your style, your subgenre, or even your main genre. Number three. Number four, change what you start with. 
So there are a lot of people out there that are very, like, I write lyrics first or I write music first. First thing I want to say on that is it doesn't matter. Both of them work. I would recommend doing both. In fact, whatever your normal one is, right, say, I think what's more common is you write the music first and then write the the lyrics off of that. Switch it up. Force yourself to write what is at that point essentially a poem. So write a poem, really, and then write music off of that. Because the reality is you're just just like changing instruments is going to make you write differently, right? The, the way you write on an electric guitar with your distortion is going to be very different than the way you write with an acoustic guitar, which is going to be very different than what you write with a bass guitar, which is going to be very different than what you write with a flute, which is very different than what you write when you're playing a piano. In a similar way, it's going to change a lot when you when you write, instead of music first, lyrics first, or vice versa. Now, the reason for this is obviously just that that mental pivot, right? Because if you're writing lyrics first, you're essentially writing a poem, which is something that you'd have normally in a, a like writing class, right? A, a non-music composition class, right? Whereas when you write music first, that's sort of starting with like the music composition side, and then you you put lyrics in there, right? So this also can sort of change what you focus on. So if you fall into the trap, as many people do, of like spending all this time on music and then sort of throwing lyrics in there, if you force yourself to write the lyrics first, that will really force you to get your lyric game going and to really crush it with your lyrics instead of phoning them in if you do have that habit. Another little bonus um, to another reason, really, to use the switch in this case. Number six, sorry, number five, is to change your value judgments temporarily. Keyword is temporarily. Now you might ask, what are value judgments? Well, value judgments are basically the things, you know, how, how we feel about certain aspects of a thing, how important we think parts of a creation are. So for example, with a movie, you might have a very high value judgment on a good villain, right? A good villain can carry a movie for you. You might have a very low value judgment on special effects, right? So, you know, while some people might have gone to Avatar and been blown away by the special effects so much that they didn't even realize it was a crappy story, you might not have felt that effect because you're not really that impressed by the special effects. So for you, writing, watching a, a more well-written action movie in the 70s with bad effects will actually be a more enjoyable experience for you than writing a modern-day movie that maybe isn't that much worse but has much better effects, right? So that would be a value judgment. You don't really care about effects. So the same thing applies to music, right? You may, you may have a very high value judgment on lyrics, or you might have a very low one, right? There's a huge spectrum there. I personally will throw a song, like if it doesn't have good lyrics, it's dead to me. Like it, it, I, nothing you do can impress me once the lyrics are bad. Other people don't even notice the lyrics, right? They'll say, oh, that's a great song and couldn't tell you a single lyric. But even off of the lyrical side, right, some people have a high value judgment on a catchy song, right? Like if it's catchy, if it's something that gets stuck in their head, they think, oh, that's a great song because it's catchy, right? Other people are going to think something is a great song because it's a, a really memorable melody that really got to their heart. So whatever your value judgments are, usually those are the things you write first. Or if you follow my advice, those are the things you will write first. So normally the things I write first are the, the melody and the lyrics, because those are two of the most important parts for me. If I can nail the melody and the lyrics, uh, the rest of the song, for the most part, is, is, is set. 
there's not much I can do to ruin a song at that point based on my value judgments. Um, go check out Songwriting is a Funnel, that episode, for a lot more on why you should write the things most important to you that you value the most first. Um, but anyway, uh, so temporarily, just shift what your value judgments are. For example, I normally don't really value catchy very much. The idea of a song being something that somebody would tap their foot to is just not something that I find valuable. I'd much rather go for a melody that sticks in people's heads and breaks people's hearts in a good way, or and, and, and a melody that sticks with them and, 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 and lyrics that move them. Those are the things I'm concentrating on. Um, if anything, I sometimes might even look down on something that's trying to be catchy. But I once forced myself, or a couple times now, have forced myself to write a catchy song. Because that's not normally something that would ever happen, because I don't usually value that. But everybody needs some catchy songs, right? So I forced myself to do that, changing my value judgments temporarily, right? Overall, I still would never want to be an artist where 90% of my songs are ones that you would consider catchy. I want you to be moved by a song. I want them to be very emotive, not, not just, you know, tap your foot. That's not my goal. But... It is a nice way to mix it up and to start experimenting in different ways. And it just really opens up the possibilities. Um, so I highly recommend temporarily changing your value judgments to write a song. Number six, change the source of your lyrical inspiration. Now, the reason for this is it can be really easy as a songwriter to sort of get stuck with only writing songs based on your current circumstances, right? So... If you just had a baby, you only write things about this new child you have. And then, you know, when you go through a breakup, the only thing you write about is the breakup. But then when you don't have any drama in your life, right, everything's just kind of cool. You don't know what to write about because nothing's happening in your life. And you don't want to be self-destructive and, like, create drama just for the sake of writing. That's not what we want here. I've, we've all been there, probably. I, I at least have. I can admit that. Um, but that's not a good thing to do, right? That's not what we want to actually do. So we want to be able to do really two things. One is to be able to take inspiration that is completely external to us, something that, that is not within us at all. So this is like you watch a TV show or you watch a movie or you read a book or you hear a, you know, you hear a news story or something and it resonates with you and you think, okay, I want to write from that perspective. I want to write from that person's perspective. That can be a just great thing to be able to get out of your creative box, right? Because now it's not your experience. You're no longer constrained by whatever is going on in your life. The second thing is to learn to be able to re-tap into past emotions, right? Because frankly, my life the past four years or so has been relatively drama-free. I've been at the same job for five years, which I enjoy. I have had the same wife, right? Or same girlfriend to wife, because we've only been married for a little over two and a half years. Um, so, wait. I say that right? Ooh, might be in trouble now. But yeah, so we've only been married for like two, three years. And, um, but we were dating before that, right? So there's really been no 
like nothing new to happen, no drama to happen that I used to have. Like in college and in high school, right? Drama happens at such a rapid rate, even if you do try to avoid it, that you just have inspiration after inspiration after inspiration. Um, working at Panera Bread even, which I did in high school, there was just a lot of different characters that I worked with that were easy to sort of write songs about. Um, whereas I do work with certainly some memorable people right now, but they don't necessarily have stories that, that, um, that move me to write about them. A little different. But the ability to go back in time and to sort of draw from previous emotions is really helpful because now you don't need to go through drama today in order to write about something you felt before, right? So if you've experienced a breakup before, you don't need to go through a breakup now to write about it, right? That seems obvious, but sometimes we feel like we need the current emotion, which don't get me wrong, there's no better like writing in the zone than when your current emotion is is there, right? Like if, some, if a loved family member of yours just passed away two weeks ago, it's going to be easy to write about that. And that's great, right? I would never tell you not to do that, but it can be helpful to not be constrained to that. Because now, even though I've had no relationship drama in years, I can still draw from the emotions that you feel when somebody breaks your heart, right? Because I've had it happen to me. I know what it feels like. I don't need to re-experience it to know all the feelings. Now, it takes a little bit to be able to dive back into those feelings, right? And it can wear on you a little bit if you dive in for too long. But that's an experience you have that you can tap back into, which can be really helpful, again, to get out of your creative box. Now, final one is to create challenges for yourself explicitly or to create rules for yourself. So this is where you are either for the challenges, you are setting a target and you are trying to hit that target. So, so for example, if you usually don't use any symbolism in your writing, you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to have one main symbol, one symbolic thing in this song. So you're aiming for a specific thing, right? Or maybe you use, if anything, you usually use too much symbolism to the point that people don't know at all what your song is about. So you tell yourself, okay, I'm restraining myself. One symbol per verse, and then the chorus can't have any. So things like that, where you're specifically aiming and challenging yourself to do a specific thing. Or you usually write ballads, so you specifically say, I'm going to write a catchy song, right? That would be another example of a challenge. And then... Sort of the other side of the same coin is making rules for yourself. So for example, you can set a rule that I'm not going to have a one chord in my chorus. So an example of when I did that is I had a song where the main point of the song was not actually in the chorus. It was actually in the finale. So I made the chorus not have the one chord. So one chord, if you don't know, is the, the main chord in the key because it's the first chord. It's the one built off of what the key is. So, so if you're in the key of G major, the one chord would be a G major chord. If you're in the key of A minor, the one chord would be an A minor chord. So that's the most powerful chord you have that feels like home, that feels like this is the main point. And me and like forcing myself to keep it out of the choruses was a way to ensure that during the chorus you felt like, yeah, but there's more. Because I never hit that home of like, yes, there's more. But the second that the, the very first chord I have in the finale is the one chord to give you that 
here's the main point. This is what we've been waiting for. So that was a rule I made for myself because of the subject material of that song. Because in the case of that song, it's a song I wrote the lyrics first for. So I already knew that the main point was going to be in the finale. Another example is that for one song, way back, when I've always been a pianist first, but I had just started to get into writing a little bit more with the acoustic guitar, but I kept doing strumming, right? Because that's easier. It's just easier to do strumming. It's the easiest version of the guitar, right? Like that guy, you know, sitting on the dorm steps playing four chords. He knows only four chords and he's singing like 500 songs off of those four chords, but he only knows those four chords and he's only been playing for four weeks, right? That guy is not going to be doing finger picking or pick picking usually because all he can do is those four chords and strumming, which is a lot easier than picking. But I forced myself. I'm like, okay. I'm not that guy. I actually play guitar and, you know, I had some classical lessons, so I, I learned with finger picking even. So I forced myself to write a song use, utilizing picking instead of strumming. And out of it, I got a great song that's actually going to be on my next EP. It's taken me way too long to record it. Um, but I really love the song. And it wouldn't have happened without forcing myself into picking instead of strumming for a song. Another example is a song I forced myself to come up with a good bass line because normally bass line is not something that is super high in my value judgments, right? Like I'm too worried, too, too much concentrating on the right chords to pair with my melody, which is really important to me, and then the lyrics, which is really important to me. And bass line is normally something that's like, oh, time to record the bass part, right? Like I don't usually write a song with the bass part in mind. So because of that, Back in the day, I forced myself, you are going to write a bass line. You're going to sit at the keyboard because that is still your best instrument. And you are just going to go through bass notes and figure out a bass line. And then you're going to go from there. What better way to write a great bass line than just concentrating on doing that first? Again, go back and check out my stuff on how songwriting is a funnel. I'll probably put a link in the description. Um, for more on that. Another example is I used to actually sort of get lazy in the chorus because I thought, okay, in, in the verses, whatever the piano riff is, you're going to hear because there aren't too many instruments playing in the verses. But the choruses get huge and there's power chords from the guitar and there's a bunch of instruments. So nobody's going to hear the piano part. So I actually sort of got lazy about the piano part and just played the melody, the vocal melody in the right hand, and then arpeggiated chords in the left hand, which is really, really, really boring. And the issue also is what if you do an acoustic show or a solo show of any kind? Now, the most boring part of your instrumental is in the chorus like that probably is not how that should work. And it just doesn't add anything to the song, because at that point, you're just repeating the chords that are already like we already have the chords and you're repeating the melody. We already have the melody. That's what the vocalist is singing. If anything, it's getting in the way. So you don't want to do that. So I forced myself. No, you need to stop doing that for a song. And then it became a rule that I do with all songs. So now I'd never do that, which is a good thing because it's really not a good habit to get into. As another example of a rule I force myself. Another example, we'll make this the last one. I told myself, you're going to write a alternate tuning for a guitar. And by write, I mean create. 
So I literally came up with my, maybe it is an existing open tuning, I don't know, but it basically involves all C sharps and G sharps. Created that open tuning and wrote a song with it. Now there are some disadvantages to that, like I only have one good acoustic guitar and I'm not going to leave it in that alternate tuning because most music I play is not in that alternate tuning. So I'm kind of in a weird situation where I need to almost get another guitar for a single song, but... It was a great way to write something different. I was very inspired by the Goo Goo Dolls at the time, and they, they do a lot of that. Johnny Resnick comes up with a lot of open tunings. So I decided, okay, that's a good way to change it up. I like the sound of their acoustic guitars. They sound nice and big. And I wrote a song off of it, and it actually turned into being one of the best songs on my the first album I did with my first band. So regardless of what rules you try to create for yourself, just create rules or, or create challenges to specifically go after for yourself. That way you're sort of, this isn't school, right? Where we're necessarily telling ourselves the problem with school can be that, you know, you have to write a song based on this, 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 and this, or like write a story about this one time that... I don't know, something specific, right? And that's often what people have a problem with in school, right? Is the, the creative writing isn't very creative because there's too many like specific assignments. But it can be helpful to do that to yourself um, to get yourself out of the box. That and you're choosing your own assignment. I'm not choosing it for you. So you get to push yourself in a direction you want to go rather than some direction that some teacher wants you to go. So I hope this was helpful to you. Um, again, to go over it real fast, one, change your instrument, two, change your instrument style, three, change your genre or subgenre, or just sound a little bit, uh, change what you start with lyrics versus music, switch them around, um, temporarily change your value judgments and change the source of your lyrical inspiration. And then to challenge yourself explicitly or to create rules for yourself. Hope this was helpful to you. If it was Drop a like if you're on YouTube. If you're listening via podcast, feel free to share this with a friend. Be sure to subscribe. And again, if you're on YouTube, click that little notification bell so you get notified of the next videos. These will be coming out every single week. I've actually been podcasting every week for well over a year now, but I'm finally putting them up on YouTube and doing a video podcast because I wanted to get into video. I enjoy doing video. Um, so if you are listening via podcasts, now, you know, I'm trying to do videos again. I know I did this one time before, but this time I'm dedicated to actually make these videos. So feel free to go check out this podcast on YouTube. Thank you for making it all the way to the end of the video. As always, I want to offer a free guide to help you is 10 different ways to start writing a song. Sometimes we can get stuck, right? This whole episode was about getting stuck. So the best way to get unstuck is springs to get out of your creative comfort zone. And then also to have a free list of 10 different ways to start writing a song. I talk about five ways to start writing a song from a lyrical side and five ways to start writing a song from a music side. They will all be helpful to you. They will go pair extremely well with what we talked about today. And I know it will be helpful to you. The link will be in the description. It's a songwritertheory.com slash free guide. I know, shocking. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. 
feel free to continue the discussion. Email me at josephatsongwritertheory.com or if you are on YouTube, comment down below and I will respond. I would love to hear from you. I will talk to you next week. <laughs>